0: This is the Return to Order Moment with Edwin Benson, bringing you insights, analysis, and information for a culture in crisis.
1: Red China's consistent goal, destroy both our church and our country. The Chinese Communist Party wants to become the strongest power on earth. To do this, it must defeat two adversaries, the United States and the Catholic Church. It works tirelessly to accomplish both goals. China's great advantage is that it is unified while the United States and the church are divided. China has artfully manipulated those divisions to its own advantage. China is very good at hiding their flaws while drawing attention to their enemies' inconsistencies. They lie about conditions in their own country, knowing that their own captive press and the leftists in American media will repeat those lies. At the same time, They hold up a magnifying glass to expose any ways in which the United States government and the leaders of the church do not live up to the high standards that they espouse. We begin this episode of the Return to Order Moment with an insightful essay by Mr. Gustavo Salomeo. In his essay, The Centennial of the Chinese Communist Party and the Bitter Fruits of the Vatican-China Agreement, he urges us not to let down our guard.
0: This year, the Chinese Communist Party is celebrating the centenary of its founding with all pomp and circumstance. This celebration has been long in preparation. On October 18, 2017, Chinese President Xi Jinping, the General Secretary of the Party, delivered an important speech to the 2,280 delegates at the 19th Congress of the Chinese Communist Party, CCP. He took stock of the CCP's achievements over the century. The speech outlined the accountability guidelines, plans, and goals for the great objective of building "quote socialism with Chinese characteristics for a new era." Mao Zedong was called the Great Helmsman. By comparison, Xi Jinping is dubbed the Great Helmsman version 2.0. In this role. He reaffirms his position of guiding and strengthening China and the CCP's authority over the people and the state. In the official English translation of the speech, the verb strengthen and derivatives appear 117 times. The CCP's platform is a mixture of political dictatorship, state economic planning, and a strong nationalist regime. The Chinese state and society are presented as a model, especially for underdeveloped countries. The October speech makes it clear that the political model is the dictatorship of a single party. Quote, China is a socialist country of people's democratic dictatorship, under the leadership of the working class, based on an alliance of workers and farmers, it is a country where all power of the state belongs to the people. We must uphold the four cardinal principles, keeping to the path of socialism, upholding the people's democratic dictatorship, upholding the leadership of the Communist Party of China, and upholding Marxism, Leninism, and Mao Zedong thought. Unquote. This party dictatorship is total and omnipresent. No area or sector of activity escapes the CCP's surveillance and control. Quote, Every one of us in the party must do more to uphold party leadership and the Chinese socialist system and resolutely oppose all statements and actions that undermine, distort, or negate them. It makes clear that the defining feature of socialism with Chinese characteristics is the leadership of the Communist Party of China. The greatest strength of the system of socialism with Chinese characteristics is the leadership of the Communist Party of China. The party is the highest force for political leadership. The party exercises overall leadership over all areas of endeavor in every part of the country. We must strengthen our consciousness of the need to maintain political integrity, think in big-picture terms, follow the leadership core, and keep in alignment. We must work harder to uphold the authority and centralized, unified leadership of the Central Committee and closely follow the Central Committee in terms of our thinking, political orientation, and actions. We must strengthen the party's ability and resolve to chart our course, craft overall plans, design policy, and promote reform. And we must ensure the party always provides overall leadership and coordinates the efforts of all involved, upholding absolute party leadership over the people's armed forces, building the people's forces that obey the party's command. Unquote. This speech's reference to socialism with Chinese characteristics obviously implies a quote, religion with Chinese characteristics. Unquote. In the case of the Catholic Church, this means the schismatic national patriotic church controlled by the CCP and put at the service of communism. Thus, Xi Jinping states, quote, "...we will fully implement the party's basic policy on religious affairs, uphold the principle that religions in China must be Chinese in orientation, and provide active guidance to religions so that they can adapt themselves to socialist society." In this context, Pope Francis approved a September 2018 secret agreement between the Vatican and China which legitimized the Communist Party's control over the Chinese church. We don't know the terms of the agreement, but the fact is that in practice, the only church in China recognized by the Vatican is the one in which the power to appoint bishops is quote-unquote shared between the Holy See and the Beijing government, i.e. the Chinese Communist Party. Tragically the Vatican completely ignores the so-called underground church as if non-existent. A church that paradoxically prefers to suffer persecution and martyrdom to conserve the faith and remain faithful to Rome. This adapting religion to socialist society took the form of a CCP order calling upon the faithful to join the quote-unquote Chinese people in celebrating the party's centennial. At the same time, Catholics were forbidden to promote pilgrimages to China's National Marian Shrine. The quote-unquote official church was quick to show its allegiance to the party line. Quote, Every community, every diocese has done congresses, performances, theaters, and even pilgrimages to the places of Communist Party history. Unquote. As early as June 20th, 2021, the persecution.org website reported quote, On July 1st, the Chinese Communist Party, CCP, will celebrate a century of existence. In anticipation of such a grand event, religious groups, including churches affiliated with the government, are using various venues to exalt the greatness of the CCP. Other than asking religious persons to learn the history of the party, go on a pilgrimage to visit revolutionary sites, or hold exhibitions at religious venues, some religious groups voluntarily host events to feature centennial celebrations, unquote. One of the centennial commemorations hosted by the Chinese Patriotic Catholic Association was a, quote, Grateful and praise for the CCP blessing mass. In this context of cooperation, a new bishop was consecrated on July 28th in China. He was the fifth one since the Holy See signed an agreement with the Chinese authorities. On the eve of this consecration, Father Joseph Liu from the Diocese of Mindong was detained by the police for his refusal to join the patriotic church. According to Asia News sources, he was subjected to terrible violence because of his resistance. Quote, After torturing him for 10 hours, six policemen took him by the hand and forced him to sign. The persecution of the Chinese religious does not stop. Unquote. In the nearly three years since the agreement was signed, the situation of the underground Catholics has been very different from those under the leadership of the government-approved Patriotic Association. Life has been, quote, "...very harsh for the underground Catholic community," explained Father Bernardo Servillera, a missionary priest and editor-in-chief of Asia News. Quote, "...we have seen some convents of sisters destroyed," Churches closed. We have seen priests chased from their parishes and also some seminarians forbidden to study theology, and also bishops who are arrested or in whole house arrest 24 hours a day," he said. The persecution has not ceased after the agreement but only intensified. Over the past two years, however, the CCP has waged the worst persecution of religion since the Cultural Revolution. Under President Xi Jinping's sinicization program, the CCP has tried to substitute religion with Marxism and socialist values. China is demolishing churches, arresting thousands of clergy and faithful, and placing severe restrictions and outright bans on freedom of worship. Unquote. These are the very bitter, yet predictable fruits of the Sino-Vatican Agreement established by Pope Francis in September 2018.
1: The danger that China poses to our country and our church is nothing new. A little over 20 years ago, the prominent journalist Bill Gertz wrote a book about it titled The China Threat. The TFP, which has been fighting all forms of socialism for over half a century, reviewed this important book. That review and the book that inspired it are worth a second look.
0: The recent events surrounding the attack on an American surveillance plane by the Chinese have served as a much-needed wake-up call for Americans. It is time to take a serious look at quote-unquote engagement and reassess American attitudes toward this communist power. The China Threat, How the People's Republic Targets America by Bill Gertz, provides a wealth of chilling details on how the so-called People's Republic of China has manipulated the United States into becoming its greatest supporter. With the end of the Cold War against the Soviet Empire, a new optimism overtook America with the belief that communism had died. Gertz's book provides us with a detailed, balanced, and realistic view of the facts. We are now in the midst of a new Cold War. Red China's aim is to undermine the perception of itself as a threat so that it will have the time to develop the strength to achieve its goal of dominating Southeast Asia. If it is victorious in the psychological war with the United States— it will have the technological and financial resources to undermine American influence. Gertz points out that it is entirely fanciful to believe that the Communist Party of China and the People's Liberation Army, PLA, is communist only in name. Since the demise of the Soviet Union, China has become a gravitational pole for communists the world round. Its totalitarian political structure, which exercises complete control over the media and oppresses the Chinese people, is a manifestation of communist doctrine and practice. The communists believe that man is a creature of his environment, hence their disregard for human nature and rights. In classic communist style, their notion of treaties and laws is entirely subject to the interests of the revolution. What is most alarming about the facts Gertz exposes is the degree to which the PRC has gained fellow travelers in the United States. Michael Oxenberg, a former advisor to President Jimmy Carter's National Security Council, says, The Chinese revolution is an optimistic statement about the capacity of man to solve his problems. The Chinese dedication to building a more decent, just society might also spur us unquote. Gertz points out that Beijing uses access to key Chinese officials as a method of luring American businessmen and academics into relationships. Their access depends on their advocacy of China's position. At the same time, a concerted effort is undertaken to discredit any critic of China to the greatest extent possible. Those who oppose relations with China must come to be viewed as fanatical right-wing McCarthyites. Anti-communism becomes the enemy rather than Red China and its subversion. Gertz makes it clear that the Chinese view their relationship with the United States as one of warring parties. Many might have the impression that Chinese strategic development is limited to acquiring technology and building up its weapons for an eventual assault on Taiwan. Such is not the case. China has acquired the use of two important ports in Panama, Cristobal on the Atlantic side of the Panama Canal and Balboa on the Pacific end. With these, China has gained an underground intelligence facility that used to be the U.S. Southern Command. With Red China's tentacles extending around the world and America's post-Cold War cutbacks, the Chinese hope to keep the American people and government in a slumber just long enough. They will then be in a position to achieve their goals with a minimum of resistance. Gertz quotes a saying of Chinese philosopher and author of The Art of War, Sun Tzu. Quote, "...supreme excellence consists in breaking the enemy's resistance without fighting." This is achieved by expanding the notion of war to include initiatives aimed at altering the way Americans think. China realizes that it will face a "...dangerous decade about 2020, when its buildup will have become too big to ignore." China would have liked Three more decades of Clinton-Gore engagement, which downplay Chinese military capabilities, encourage decreasing American defense spending, and give China a major technical and financial boost, Meanwhile, their missile buildup continues. The reasons? U.S. business interests, campaign funding, the comfort of an optimistic point of view that allows Americans to ignore an ugly reality. Beyond that, however, Gertz points to a deeper problem, a, quote, ideological affinity for China's supposedly progressive brand of communism, unquote, in the Clinton administration, which saw China as the, quote, last best hope for the triumph of Marxist ideas, unquote. The new Bush administration does not have this ideological affinity, but the damage has already been done, and a status quo approach is not good enough. Gertz believes that our only hope lies in a change in policy that includes a quote-unquote intelligence blitz, a strategic plan, strong alliances with non-communist Asian countries, increasing military forces, and a pro-democracy Pacific community. Without these, China will become the region's greatest power, and perhaps the dominant world power.
1: Unfortunately, many Americans harbor the illusion that China is a peace-loving people. This is a massive error. In his essay, America Must Go Beyond Wishful Thinking About China, Mr. John Horvat describes the illusion and the dangers that arise from it.
0: America and the West's policy of quote-unquote constructive engagement with communist China make up the most egregious case of wishful thinking in history. For almost 50 years, the West has pumped trillions of dollars into the Chinese experiment and now has little to show for it, except a much stronger China. Fortunately, many Americans are now waking up to the dangers of dealing with the Chinese dragon. It is not a moment too early. Ever since President Nixon's infamous 1972 trip to China, the West has deceived itself into believing that being nice to Red China is a win-win proposition. The policy's underlying reason was that opening up China would expose the communist nation to freedom, which would induce its dictators to change and do what is best for the Chinese people. Alas, how wrong the West has been. This wishful thinking revolved around several myths about China. The first myth is that by introducing a free market system into the country— the leadership would gradually adopt a capitalist-like scheme that would be communist in name only. The West has long insisted that the Chinese have abandoned Marxist ideology and embraced world markets. However, the Chinese have never stopped insisting that they are genuinely communist. The more the West claims China is not communist— the more the Chinese openly say that they are. The recent hardline developments of the Xi dictatorship have dashed the hopes of Western optimists. Hong Kong and the persecution of the Catholic Church now offer bitter testimony that nothing has changed. Another myth is that China is so integrated into the global economy that it cannot be a threat. The reality is that the West has built up China and turned it into a power. By offshoring so many things there, it is now the West that is dependent upon China. The West has created a Frankenstein that now threatens the world. A final myth is that China is a shining example of the free market that shows what can be done when countries work together. China has indeed gone from being a helpless economic basket case to a vibrant power. However, this progress is not because of the free market. China is an artificial creature of the West. It uses Western know-how and credit, yet operates outside market systems. China routinely breaks trade agreements and shamelessly steals intellectual property from the West. It uses slave labor to produce cheap goods. Its economy is riddled with state planning and debt. Its famous shadow banking system is notoriously corrupt. The government manages to control the economy in every detail through Communist Party members in every major industry. The nation is an environmental disaster. China is an example of everything the free market is not supposed to be. The West's wrong-headed policy treats China as a trade partner. China treats the West as an enemy. It now challenges American leadership, military might, and technological development. China wants to dominate the world and is developing a network of trade relationships to draw countries into its fatal embrace. China seeks to take the lead in developing artificial intelligence and quantum computing, two industries that will dominate the next generation of technological development. The case against China is so compelling that Americans are starting to see the light. Public attitudes toward Beijing are hardening. A recent Pew Research Center poll says that 67% of Americans have a negative or very negative attitude toward China, up from 46% three years before. China is seen by nearly 90% as either a competitor, 55%, or an enemy, 34%. Some 84% regard China's growing technological power as a serious or very serious problem for the U.S. Nearly half of all Americans believe that the U.S. should give priority to limiting China's influence and power. This more realistic vision of China transcends partisan lines. Both political parties advocate measures to contain China's ambitions. The Biden administration recently released a document titled Interim National Security Strategic Guidance, which supports some realistic approaches to the problem. The present administration will keep at least some of the Trump administration's aggressive policy changes that overturned decades of cooperation with the communist regime. Alas, America is waking up to the danger only now. For decades, the nation has slept, hoping that China would change its way. China has changed, for the worst, by becoming a mighty dragon that menaces the West. Administration officials are reacting to China's advance by calling for more spending on tech research and development. While such funding is welcome to match the Chinese efforts, it is not enough. America educates countless Chinese students at its universities. The nation funds Chinese development by its massive imports and offshoring. America's silence facilitates the violation of human rights and the religious persecution of the Catholic Church. Unless there is a consistent policy that limits the American contact, education, and trade with China, nothing will be done. Foreign policy must be built on facts, not fancy. The government needs to listen to what Americans think about communist China. It is still communist, and no amount of thinking to the contrary can change this reality. Indeed, the West's wishful thinking is becoming more wishful. Energetic action is urgently needed before it is too late.
1: This concludes Red China's Consistent Goal, Destroy Both Our Church and Our Country. Thank you so much for listening. Return to Order, of which this podcast is only a part, strives to be a source of light in a dark and disordered world. Your prayers are appreciated. Mr. Salomeo's essay has extensive footnotes. Links to the printed articles are provided in the show notes so that interested listeners can find his sources of information. If you have enjoyed this podcast, we ask that you subscribe and give us a five-star rating through the service through which you are listening to it. Increased subscriptions and high ratings mean that more people will be directed to the Return to Order moment when searching for new podcasts. So by rating us, you can help Return to Order be more effective. In addition, subscribers gain access to all the previous episodes of the Return to Order moment. We would also like to recommend the book, which spells out our motivations behind our work. Mr. John Horvath's book, Return to Order, is available as a free download through our website, www.returntoorder.org, or in printed and recorded form through our bookstore. All rights are reserved. Copyright 2021 by the American Society for the Defense of Tradition, Family, and Property, TFP.